0: There are some some really interesting studies that say, for example, the design of an accelerator program Mm. over 150 globally makes no difference to the results. And the results sends in follow-on funding after that accelerator program. You're
1: like, wow. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building great startups in sunny Western Australia. Hi, I'm Charlie Gunningham.
2: And I'm Beth Koneglia. And today we are talking with one of our state's greatest advocates for startups, Andrew Althwaite. Andrew has spent the past year travelling all around WA, visiting the 100 or so incubators and accelerator programs that exist in this great state. And so he has a really great perspective on how they work, what they do and what they need. As
1: we hear, he actually set up WA's first co-working space, City Hive, up in Geraldton. So here's our chat with Andrew. Well, welcome to Startup West, Andrew. Oh, thank you very much for having me. We want to start with what you've been doing most recently in your work with the Australian government, as you've been assisting and visiting every single incubator and accelerator program in WA, I believe. Yes. So you have, you've visited, like, how many are there and what, what's it like out there? Uh, as of today, we're at 100. 100? I found another couple yesterday, the century. Um, post,
0: post-federal post government role. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just to be clear about that, what I mean by incubator, it's yeah. basically any entity offering, offering incubation services, everything from... From co-working through to programs right. like CSIRO, on through to um, you know investor networks that have that have some ongoing relationship with early stage companies, scalable companies
1: with global potential. So we're here at Riff. Yep. Space Cubed as was twenty twelve. Yep. Were there any before that? Or has it really started from Was it the first? Space Cube. Can you confirm? Or Was that controversial? <laughs> well, it's funny
0: because there was a co working or there is a co working space in Gerald called City Hive. Which, <laughs> which I started. There you go. Which, so you were the which first Which was the first co working space. Uh, I don't know. What know was, when was, yeah, that? Yeah, when yeah.
2: was that first launched?
0: Uh, was. uh that was twenty eleven.
2: Right, so yeah, you were, you were the first. six months
0: prior to SpaceCube, don't I mean. okay. right.
2: so well, you? Okay. Know, the first in WA. The first in WA, you can claim yeah. the title, and I suppose, yeah, And the Space first in Perth of SpaceCube. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I think, again, important to make distinction between co-working spaces and then the programs or the services or right. things that wrap around them that really help startups grow.
2: So what do you see out there across these this these 100 that you've come across how many of them are struggling how many of them are doing really well what's the what's it like
0: well it's very very difficult put it this way like i think if you think running starting a startup's hard then running an incubator is is arguably way more difficult okay. because who are your customers as people who have like ideas no money <laughs> no <laughs> path to market True. how are you gonna get money out of them so it's it's usually like a sort of marketplace play to actually get that support into startups. So I think it's difficult for all of them in different ways, yeah. And many of them have different versions of what they're trying to do. Like they're not all trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Some are really trying to change a whole a whole sector or industry globally, like Unearthed. Um, others are just trying to um, grow innovation entrepreneurship for like social and economic benefit in a small regional town. Yeah. They're not trying to grow the next amazing company necessarily, but they want to see the people and projects in their town get going, have a place to congregate, yeah. um, and are supported in the early stages of their ideas.
1: I think you wrote something recently on Startup News about this, about their business models. Yep, I did. So how do they make money? Um, and how many of them are making money and surviving? There's only quite a few of them are sort of eking out a living somehow yeah i think
0: it probably goes to the the different models like
1: mm.
0: so some make money directly and by that i mean they're paid sort of by local governments right directly or they're paid um by startups and people using their services directly like participating in their programs others make money indirectly so they might run a, a startup support program but they'll make their money from membership or co-working or sponsorship associated with that yeah. um Look, I, I think to, to answer the question in a, in a sort of future-oriented way, I think you, you will see a lot of um, aggregation, M and A's. You know, I think the marketplace will start to shake out a bit. But you know, local governments, as an example, have a very strong interest in doing something that meets their objectives and local community needs, and underwriting it for their local area. Um, but in other other sectors and other scales it's a much more commercial proposition and where you know, we're going big and having scale and having multiple sites is yep. going to be more viable.
2: And there is is something that I think you wrote about in that article for Startup News was that uh, relying on government funding isn't the best business model going. Is that something you'd kind of want yeah, to elaborate I mean, on? Grants grants <laughs> aren't sustainable <laughs> revenue.
0: No. So that it doesn't count for me <laughs> as, re- as revenue. It doesn't count. It's to it's to you know grants can help you like scale up or offer a new service and test it out. But yeah, you you wouldn't want to run around
1: sort of chasing grants. So what you, led you living. to setting up City Hive in twenty eleven in Geraldton?
2: Of all places, no offense. To Geraldton. You were living there. Great presumably. place
1: living there. Uh, and you wanted to activate a space. You saw a need. What 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 was the well, genesis of that?
0: Yeah, the reason. I, Ended up in Geraldton because it, it sort of met a bunch of criteria I had for a place to spend a decade um, right. looking to this question of what's enabling of sustainable communities, what, what are the conditions that are enabling of sustainable communities, and I mean like ecologically, socially, economically. Yeah. Um, Geraldton is actually the most diverse economy in regional Australia, yeah. so it, it has a really good mix of industries, fishing, ag, mining, etc. Um, It is a little bit isolated, a bit like an island. Had a very progressive local government at the time. So I just moved there to spend a decade. Oh, right. Um, Did
2: you you make the full decade? Yeah. You did? Yeah. (laughs) Great. There
0: was a couple of little um, breaks, but yeah, 10 years in total. So from
1: people not from West Australia, where
0: is Geraldton? Uh, 450 kilometres north of Perth. Right. Yeah, right on the west coast, near the Abrolhos, south of Ningaloo. It's quite a trek from Perth. It's it's a day's it's, drive. I think you in WA it context, it's oh, relatively right. close. I don't yeah. think people drive from Port Hedland to Broome for the that's weekend. It, would
2: you call it a regional town? Is yeah, that, absolutely, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, what's the population of Geraldton? Uh, to give some more context? about
1: forty thousand. Right. Okay. okay. So you set up City Hive. How did it go? I mean, it's gone great. It's still, um, still going. Yeah, of course it's still going.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> he, was, this guy it, knows how to set up an accelerator. That's what it was built for. You know, right. it was
0: built okay. to be independent of government funding and other circumstances such that support for innovation entrepreneurship became reliable mm-hmm. so that in that culture and context people knew okay when i've got a new idea whenever i've got a new idea there's a place i can go that will support things that are at the edge and so you know the model for doing that had to have integrity it had to be right. entrepreneurial it had to be independent had to be flexible itself so, so what
2: is the model for, for city Hive?
0: uh so The the entity is actually called Pollinators. Um, City Hive is a co-working space. They've got a creative industries hub. Um, They have a membership base. They run programs. They do urban regeneration. Um, And, yeah, so they get revenue through membership, revenue through rent, Um, some very, very clever and fortunate real estate deals. (laughs) Um, Some amazing local sponsors. um, And, yeah, provide excellent services. Um, It's gone on to... Yeah, it's been used as a case study and replicated and has been the seed for for mesh points and a bunch of other um, networks and individual um, spaces and, and incubators around
1: WA. Very good. So, um, of the 100 you saw around WA over the last year, you were working for the Entrepreneurs' Programme part of the federal government, as do I, but in a different part of it. I work in the grant part. You were working in the incubator support part. and mm-hmm. You did a year there. And you visited all of them, is that right? You individually like, did 30,000 Ks, trawled around WA, and you went and you eyeballed them and you looked at them. Is that correct?
0: I wouldn't say all 100, probably
1: 70. Okay, yeah.
2: That's a pretty good metric though, well done.
1: And like all industries, is it like a few are doing really well and the majority are just about surviving and some of them might not survive? Or what were you finding the overall condition to be? or? Or was it everything that you saw?
0: Yeah, I saw the range, right. the whole range. And look, I'm going to be a bit awkward here, but I think the unit of survival to look at is the organism plus its environment, right? So it's the incubator plus its context. And so there's somewhere they're doing really well because their local economy is doing well. or right. the culture has shifted to be supportive and they're part of the landscape. And there's others that, you know, they're very early and they're trying to shift the culture or shift the economy. And so they're pushing uphill. They don't have the resources. And there's others where they're like, you know, the center of gravity for, for everything resources yeah. or everything research or you know, everything tech. And yeah. they're doing great because it's just the network effect, more and more connections. Yeah. You know, more of and the, more scope. Of the
1: 100 or so, would most of them be in Perth? No. So most are outside Perth? That's uh, probably 50 50. Is it really? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Considering that, you know, two million population in Perth, two and a half million in the state. Yep. That's a lot. So there's some flourishing ones in Bunbury, Busselton. Yep. Bunbury, up- Busselton,
0: North. Geraldton, Port Hedland, Carrather. Um, there's a good co working space in Broome. I wouldn't say it's actually sort of
1: incubating mm. startups. And has yeah. it been landlords trying to activate or reactivate their space because of maybe a downturn, downturn in retail, or local governments looking to activate space that is otherwise not used, old buildings people have moved out of? What What's the sort of... I don't think... I think space
0: an availability of space is like an enabler, right. but again, we're talking about... We're talking about the support services for startups. It's much more on the space. Space can be a good business model, but it's also like a huge liability and risk Mm. to take on a a lease or something. So, um, yeah, the motivations have been many and and varied. And some it's led by an industry group. Um, Yeah, others it's led by local government. Other, it's just an entrepreneur sees, you know, sees, like you say, an opportunity in the real estate market or, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and the industry isn't doing its job. So they're like, well, let's do a better job.
2: Yeah. So if you were to wave a magic wand in this space and get, get anything done that you, your heart desired, what, what would you want to see changed or what would you want to see happen to, to really help incubators do the best job they possibly can?
0: Well, I, th- I think I'm, I'm sort of a bit of a policy, sort of pretty interested in policy stuff. So I think that's the, the, the clear narrative mm-hmm. from federal and state government really does a lot to, to keep people on track. I think the stability and the support and investment in those incubators would be fantastic and in the investment that is made by government and and privately a much more intelligent and structured approach to risk yeah people think oh it's risky so I'm not going to do my due diligence or like you know put it in a different basket but you yeah. can be just as intelligent with Risky investments as you can with with not risky ones, and I'm putting I'm putting incubators and such programs in the sort of risky end of the spectrum.
1: So they need more support generally.
0: I think it's like um, Australia has an amateur footy league, right? Run completely independently by and, volunteers. Yeah, by volunteers by, right. by 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 mums are running you know other businesses and then part time running an incubator, yeah. and you know then there's professionals, but. You know, if we want to create world-class ventures, um, truly diversify Australia's economy, truly be you know of service to the rest of the world in in many and varied ways, mm-hmm. then you know let's have a professional league. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the M and A kind of approach comes into it, and, and maybe some higher quality, uh, but slightly less. Um, yeah,
0: maybe. And and the and the structured feed in from. Yeah you know, regional ones to central ones to yeah. capital city ones and the, the intelligence of of understanding how that could all
1: work from policymakers and so their investment following that. Now, some people criticise accelerator programs as being ineffectual, right? And the stats don't seem to show they make a material difference to the success or otherwise of the ventures. Is that right or a myth in your view? Okay, so... <laughs> it's a big question. I'm going to uh, say
0: that there's many versions of what is a good incubator. Like as it's some, if you're looking purely to, a, a, you know, you're a VC and you're looking at investment, you'd be like, well, I get just as good of deals off the street. I have right. other ways of filtering them. Accelerator program doesn't necessarily deliver me the best ones with the best returns that I want to invest in. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming from, say, the city of Perth or another local government, you'd have a different lens on what is working, like what's a good one do? Um, and it may not necessarily be the returns offered to private investors. Mm -hmm. So there are some some really interesting studies that say, for example, the design of an accelerator program Mm -hmm. over 150 globally makes no difference to the results right. and the results sends in follow-on funding after that accelerator program you're like wow so you can do whatever you want during the accelerator program as long as
2: you have one yeah as long as you have useful.
0: one and there's some people involved doesn't necessarily follow, but, <laughs> yeah know. so i think there's a bunch of really interesting studies but it does depend on what do you think is a good one? Right. Like, what's your interest, and then what indicators are you and they using to measure? Performance? I suppose
1: success stories coming out of accelerators. Yeah. Success success stories coming out of incubators. Yep. You know, can we point to them? Can we point to a few, or is it still early days?
0: Well, I think we can point to a bunch of them in in Western Australia, right? Um, especially, say, it's really cool to see ones that have come, say, through Bloom, right? Then Plus A then gone on internationally. Like HUM, yeah, for example. Yeah, I think yeah. another
2: great example would be the Sync Labs co-working space that yeah. ran for a lot of years, which started off with health Engine engineering. Uh, so if we can take you back to where it all began, Andrew. Uh, you were Perth-born and raised before you hooked it to Geraldton. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, there's a few other stops in between, but
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> great. And so did you always have an interest in this kind of a world? Were you always... Socially minded? Were you always, you know, business minded, or was this something that kind of came out of left field for you?
0: Sometimes I just get really stuck on a question for like seven or ten years, and I just really pursue
1: it. <laughs> um, that's
2: that's a long time to stick on something. Yeah, yeah. Something. What were similar.
1: you like at school? What, did, what subjects did you like? Did you have leadership roles there? Were you?
0: Uh, yeah, I did. I about? did have some. you I know, was a prefect or something in yeah. in in primary school. Um, but I generally tended to get in fights and underperform okay. compared to my potential <laughs> is, is, one, is one story. Right. <laughs> right. And what subject did you like? What did you?
1: I did really enjoy watch?
0: geography, and, right. and that, led, that led actually. like I, I loved surfing. I loved caring for my local beach, so went on and did um, land management. Ultimately, it was a, a marine science degree right. um, that I did at university. Yeah.
1: And I think you ended up at Norway, didn't you, doing something in there? Yeah, I actually Scandinavian. Yeah,
0: went up to Sweden to study
1: global sustainability. Basically, that was a question I got stuck on for seven years. Uh Aha!
2: There you go.
1: And that then brought me back to Perth, which then led you up to Geraldton. It was straight
0: straight from Sweden to London to learn more about social enterprise as a model uh, for yeah enabling a better world, and yeah then got stuck on another question, and that took me from from London straight to Geraldton. Had not overnight in Perth, but basically, boom, straight from London to the and in London, quiet what you doing streets of Geraldton. What were you we doing in London? Yeah, so helping start up social enterprises um, and working with in corporate sustainability. Right. So, coaching teams to shift their culture um, around ecological and social sustainability. Really exciting thing was uh, running what would now be called an accelerator program for social enterprises solving homelessness. And the investors were the UK government and the Big Issue Foundation. Fantastic. What yeah. years were that? That was two thousand seven.
1: Right, and that oh, ran to the two thousand eleven being in Geraldson and doing yep. pollinators and City High. Yep.
2: Right. So through your, I suppose, extensive experience dealing with startups that are in the accelerators, I imagine that you've seen across WA. What do you see a lot of the challenges for them are? What's your kind of objective look into this this world?
0: I mean, one of the challenges, a a broad thing would be, say, fit. So the fit between the founder's perception of the possibilities and market, the fit with where they actually are and what capabilities and resources they have around them, um, and the fit of their business model with with delivering that. Like, I I think it's it's a very complex game of, of... like perception you know what does the market need what do i want to do what's possible here um and i think a lot of a lot of incubation accelerating, navigating the landscape is about yeah finding where you fit where the business model fits whether it's here or overseas yeah and and adjusting all of those things all the time you know adjusting your aspirations adjusting okay who am i who do i need to reach out to um and yeah adjusting perhaps your
1: location Now, you uh, came to form Startup WA, which uh, I think you've stepped off now, but you were the chair of that, I think the founding chair, or Uh, one of the originals anyway. I wasn't the founding chair, but I was chair for three years. Right. And that started in 2013, 14-ish? Oh, you're testing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen. I like forgot to mention there'd be a pop quiz. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, around twenty. Then. Yeah,
0: around twenty fifteen. Yeah. Right.
1: And what was its purpose, and what was it filling that wasn't otherwise done prior to its existence?
0: Yeah, I think Startup WA's focus is really on creating the conditions that will be enabling of startups to realise their global potential, like from Western Australia. Yeah. And so, by creating the conditions, that means policy, networks, collaborative relationships between, you know, all the entities in the ecosystem. So a lot of back-end work that, you know, is generally not sort of appreciated, but needs to be done. Like like a representative body? Yeah. And then occasionally, and and as often as
1: possible, stepping out in front and advocating on behalf of the sector. Right. So talking to government. Yeah. So the government's got one, or local government, probably, WA government, has got one place to go to. Yeah to talk to a startups or early stage innovation. Yeah, that was a major function of it. And what was that like? Interesting. It it
0: I think some of the some of the best things about that is just seeing the depth of alignment across the WA ecosystem. You know, there are often times you're in a room with um, investors, um, startups, universities, um, co-working spaces, some of who would, would rarely speak to each other or never met government would ask them all the same question and we all pretty much have an aligned response. Right, okay. And so I think there's a great, um, yeah, there is a great alignment and and culture in Western Australia. Um,
1: did you uh, have input, same, or did Startup WA and, and people around it have some input into policy? Yeah. State government WA policy? Yep. Yeah. So what sort of things?
0: Yeah, so there was, you know, we would have recommendations that we'd take to... The government progress specific projects around them relating to how they distribute investment within the ecosystem Um, uh, what they focus on in terms of policy changes that could be enabling of the ecosystem look I don't think the progress that we made on the policy front was as as significant as we could have but we certainly learned a lot and I think fed a lot of that learning back to the system about back to the sector about okay that that's not worth focusing our attention on right the great thing about West Australia also is we've basically built it ourselves. I think it's a very, very good thing for the future that compared to other states or other jurisdictions, you know, everything here has had to find its own way and find its own feet because there just hasn't been that flood of government funding, basically. Yeah. And so what is here is very resilient and strong and um, yeah, relatively independent, I think, is a good thing.
2: So what uh, startups or scale-ups... Which ones do you currently admire the most? Do you have any favorites in the in the scene in the industry?
0: Uh, I do really like Power Ledger, Power yeah. Ledger. Yeah, crowd yeah. mm-hmm. um, favorite. Hum School, Drumbeat out of Holyoke, Just to put in a little special oh, yeah, enterprise mine. Yeah. It's pretty cool. They're doing some really interesting stuff. Um, Marine Futures Lab um, and EDNA Frontiers, just because I got a thing about oceans and stuff. Right, yeah. Blue yeah. Tech and that is. sort of stuff. Just yep. so yeah. seeing,
1: yeah. Well, we're going to finish off with some rapid, quick fire questions for you, Andrew. So, first thing comes into your head the single most important factor that makes a successful startup go? Fitness. Fitness? <laughs>
0: fitness? Yeah, like fitness. that fitting. Fit. The, yeah. fit, oh, know, the fit. Oh, the fit. Fitting in the market. fit in the market fit. The agency.
2: product market fit. Yeah. For sure. Do you believe in insourcing or outsourcing?
1: Both. <laughs> Should a company self fund or raise money?
0: Both. I think it's important to have, show you're into it, but then also it's a form of market validation is how other people going to back it.
2: Mm-hmm. PC or Mac?
0: Mac. Red or white? Can I say red and white for South
2: Fremantle? Hey! <laughs> you're evading
0: go. the question. Not a wine drinker? <laughs> no. Nah. Beer. Uh,
2: what nah. podcasts do you listen to?
0: I think a couple are really cool. Long Now. Mm-hmm. Which is Stuart Brand, so like West Coast, you know, started the tech thing but okay. still going strong. And Edge, so Edgecast, yeah. East Coast, also guys involved, you know, really early days of Silicon Valley but now doing really interesting things. Okay
2: cool well thank you very much Andrew for your time we want to wish you all the best uh, into the future and thank you everyone for listening don't forget to give the Startup West pod a nice review uh, because that always helps people to find us and do subscribe so you get the next podcast in your feed and you can also find us on Spotify as well as all your other favourite podcast platforms
1: absolutely and also shout out to our sponsors Startup West is brought to you by Startup News and the fine people at Ray's SpaceCubed Curtin University and BDO this pod is is recorded at the brand new podcasting studios at Riff, powered by Space Cube in beautiful downtown Perth, West Australia. See you all next time. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.